0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three martinis coming up.
1: Good, sort of, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. Glad you're along for the ride on this Thursday. Jim, let's get right to the quote-unquote good. Would have been nice if some people would have Realized this before they voted for nearly $2 trillion in additional COVID spending. We talked about the $5.5 now that's been spent, or will soon, on uh, COVID relief. That isn't necessarily always COVID relief. But Politico has a story today on exactly what we were talking about yesterday. Man, if only some people had actually read the bill and realized how much we're spending here. And the fact that we've piled up an immense amount of debt, especially over the past 12 months. Not that we haven't been piling up a lot of debt long before that, but especially in the last 12 months. But Politico quotes a number of what they call centrist Democrats here, including Independent Angus King, a senator from Maine who I can't ever remember voting with Republicans. But nonetheless, he says at some point, we've got to start paying for things, said King, who caucuses with the Democrats and is worried that higher interest rates could become an albatross on the economy. Quote, it's got to be paid for. It's just a question of who pays. Are we going to pay or are our kids going to pay? Uh, John Tester has also been quoted here, a senator from Montana. Some of it needs to be paid for, he says. He suggests an all-of-the-above strategy for paying for an infrastructure package that includes spending cuts and raising new revenues. And one of the things they talk about, of course, is that Biden wants a massive infrastructure bill that is actually going to be more expensive than the COVID relief bill. And so uh, a lot of folks are thinking, you know, maybe we need some revenue changes here as well. And one of the things they're talking about, Jim, they won't touch the gas tax, but they do want to start taxing people by how many miles you drive which means people who live in more rural areas or people who have bought houses further out from the city so they could afford it and have to commute are going to get absolutely socked by this. But my favorite, my favorite quote here is from Congressman Kurt Schrader, Democrat, Oregon, who says, well, I assume it'll be paid for when asked about the price tag for Biden's next plan. Quote, according to Democrat rules, the only thing we're at liberty to put on our children's credit card is covid relief and climate change. So uh, at least he's uh, honest about what the, what the Democrats are doing here. But uh, we got an ocean of red ink and it's probably only going to get worse.
0: Yeah. And my first thought upon contemplating all of this, Greg, is the question, does anybody ever call Angus King an I, I know <laughs> independent in name only? Because theoretically, if you're an independent, you should find some significant number of issues or, or, you know, some sort of signal that you're not just another Democrat who doesn't want to be called a Democrat. And I think that's kind of the more accurate label for Angus King. But, but, but no matter. And look, I, I, given a choice between centrist Democrats meekly acquiescing and acting like nothing's wrong versus saying, wow, we're spending a lot of money now, we probably should... Uh, Uh, Be a little more careful about these big spending bills. We probably should start paying attention to the deficit and the debt and recognizing that all of this is being financed by borrowing and the interest rates that are on this borrowing are only going to go up. It's going to take you paying down those interest rates is going to take up a bigger and bigger chunk of our budget year by year. Uh, I'd rather they say that than not say that. Greg, i just really rather they would say that before they vote to pass a $1.9 trillion relief bill full of stuff that isn't really COVID relief and can't plausibly be called it. And it's kind of, it's interesting. I I do kind of like that quote from Tester where he says, you know, it needs to be paid for. And then he goes, you're going to remind me of this later when none of it's paid for, but I do think some of it needs to be paid for. Like this, credit him for self-awareness that simply saying, hey, we should pay for these bills does not mean that the bills themselves will be paid for and that I just, you know, Greg, I just wish that John Tester and and, um, Angus King were in some position where they could do something about federal spending. Maybe if the Senate was like a 50-50 tie and that gave them extraordinary leverage if they chose not to vote with the rest of their party. I mean, in a scenario like that, I imagine somebody like Tester or King, they could do it. They could be the next Joe Manchin, couldn't they?
1: Yes, this just awakening moments after the House passes exactly what the Senate passed that the, uh, the senators realize this is absolutely uh, maddening. Uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is now a fan of huge deficit spending saying, quote, the opportunity and the constraints are just different when you have historically low interest rates. And, uh, Jim, there is one other independent in the Senate who does buck the Democrats, at least when he runs for president every four years, and that's Bernie Sanders. I guess they can't all be like uh, Joe Lieberman, uh, who once in a while actually votes with the other party, because <laughs> that's not going to happen with Bernie, and apparently it almost never happens with Angus King.
0: Yeah, he's independent in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. All right. Well, Congress is not going to get its fiscal house in order, and they may make your fiscal house a mess trying to pretend to pay for it with taxes and fees and mileage taxes and all sorts of other garbage. But uh, look, if you're dealing with uh, a bunch of debt, there are ways to get things set right. If you have multiple credit cards, you know that tracking multiple balances, due dates and website logins can be a hassle. It's stressful. But upstart makes things simple with one monthly payment in one place. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. So whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment.
0: Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans from $1,000 to $50,000. And you can get approved the same day, and you can receive those funds as fast as one business day. If debt is taking over your life, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart.
1: I wonder if Upstart can handle Janet Yellen calling in for uh, debt consolidation <laughs> advice because we're clearly going to need it soon. In fact, we've needed it for a long time. But you can find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com martini. That's upstart.com martini. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Once again, go to upstart.com martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our bad martini now. And we are now up to six, yes, six accusers of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. And the latest one is not only chilling in the details, but also bizarre in Cuomo's response. This is the Albany Times Union. A female aide to Governor Cuomo alleges he aggressively groped her in a sexually charged A manner after she had been summoned to the executive mansion late last year, according to a person with direct knowledge of the woman's claims. The staff member, whose identity is being withheld by the Times Union, had been called to the mansion under the apparent pretext of having her assist the governor with a minor technical issue involving his mobile phone. They were alone in Cuomo's private residence on the second floor when he closed the door and allegedly reached under her blouse and began to fondle her, according to the source. The allegations by the female aide, who is the sixth woman to accuse Cuomo of inappropriate behavior, were first reported Tuesday by the Times Union. And uh, she actually uh, got emotional uh, finding out about the allegations of the first accuser, Lindsay Boylan, when she realized, oh my gosh, he's been doing this to other people. And so, what is Cuomo's response? As I said yesterday, I've never done anything like this. The details of this report are gut-wrenching, I am not going to speak to the specifics of this or any other allegation given the ongoing review, but I am confident in the result of the attorney general's report. So Cuomo's caught in this, I uh, have to uh, believe all women, but uh, have to defend himself situation here. So he's basically stuck in the situation of these allegations are horrible. Whoever did this to this poor woman ought to be strung up. Wasn't me though.
0: <laughs> Boy, I hope they catch that other governor that did all this. Um, darn that, Ron DeSantis. So, <laughs> you know, Greg, uh, my colleague Andy McCarthy has written t- with, with typical brilliance about this. Uh, there's a staff editorial on this coming up uh, on, an, on National Review shortly. But let's just take a moment, just kind of go through the six accusers. The first was Lindsey Boylan, Cuomo's former aide, right? And she talked about both, you know, ver- verbal harassment and physical harassment, you know, kissing her on the lips without warning and without, uh, certainly not receptive, right? Uh, second one was Charlotte Bennett, who was an executive assistant, health policy advisor in Cuomo's administration. The third one did not work for Andrew Cuomo. Anna Ruch, Ruch um, basically, she's the woman who's in that picture at the wedding, where her, his, you know, Cuomo's hands are on her, the sides of her head. And you can just kind of look at that in her face. She does not look like she's warm and, and welcoming and great. She kind of looks like she's either cringing or kind of horrified. And Cuomo's looking straight at her in the photo, right? Uh, Anna Liss, who was a policy and operations aide from 2013 to 2015, she's the one who told the Wall Street Journal about him constantly asking about their dating lives, would you date an older man, that kind of stuff. Also said he hugged her, kissed her on both cheeks, wrapped his arm around her lower back and grabbed her waist, things like that. Five, Karen Hinton, who was his press aide way back when he was Secretary of Housing and Arab Development in the year 2000, who said he summoned her to a dimly lit hotel room and embraced her and when she pulled her... She pulled away. He pulled her back towards his body and then finally relented. And now we have this sixth person who's an unidentified member of the governor's executive chamber staff. Right? So these are six women, all of whom we know work with him. Right? This is not a, a sweat situation. This is not a situation where Cuomo can plausibly, plausibly say, I've never seen that woman before. I've never met that woman before. This woman's making it up. These are all circumstances in which it is uh, not, you know, believable, plausible, and probably almost even verifiable that all of these women have been alone with the governor at one point or another. Secondly, as I just went through all those descriptions, that they're all describing very similar behavior. It's not like, you know, one's describing one form of harassment, the other one's describing something that sounds like a completely different guy. It's a very consistent portrait of Cuomo from person to person. Now. Everyone is entitled to uh, due process, whether it's a crime or whether it's an accusation of inappropriate behavior. And this really should be in- in- investigated by a third party. I'm glad that it is. Let's also keep in mind, Cuomo believed that he should appoint the "quote unquote" independent third party who is going to investigate him. You know what? If you're if the accused person is appointing the person investigating, it's not an in- independent investigation. And the other thing I just you know, you and I have talked about this podcast uh, on this podcast a couple of times, like. You, you know, one of the things that I think is fair to take into assessment is what do we know about the person who's being accused of this? Yes, yeah, some people are completely different behind closed doors than they are in their public personas. But one of the great ironies here is that Andrew Cuomo's public persona, uh, what we see of him when he's interacting with others in front of the cameras and stuff, is that he's impulsive, temperamental. like sometimes goes into rages. The other lawmakers have described him calling them in the middle of the night and screaming at them. You know, he's a bully. He's an egomaniac, and as we saw in his book, Andrew Cuomo is not a, a you know towering mountain of self awareness. Right? He, he has no idea how he comes across to people. Um, so it's one of those things where uh, the, the, all of the, the, the 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 if you think of the the evidence as being on scales, we keep piling more and more on one side, and the only evidence we have for Cuomo not doing these things is his insistence that he didn't do it. Uh, and then finally, one of the, like, the, the examples I just periodically think about, we've seen throughout the Me Too uh, uh, allegations and examples and scandals and, and all that stuff, the number of guys often in powerful positions who say, look, I had no idea, oh my goodness, I, I, I couldn't, you know, in fact, that was the original spin that came from Harvey Weinstein, was this version of, look, I, I didn't know I was coming across that the women who I was treating this way were not, you know, didn't like what I was doing to them. Well, in the case of Anna Rooch, we had that photo And you can't really plausibly say, oh, I thought she liked it when we can see in that photo that she was extremely uncomfortable by this and just cringing and all that kind of stuff. Um, So it's just all in all to believe Andrew Cuomo. You have to believe that all six of these women who've all worked for him and who all would probably have a great deal to lose professionally by making these accusations public, that they decided to make up these stories about them. Uh, and that, that's, I simply just don't find that a particularly plausible sequence of events. I would just kind of put to every New York Democrat that's been hesitant or offering kind of a, a halfway or mealy mouth look, we're up to six women. What more do you need to see? How many more do you start saying, okay, uh, I don't believe that all these women are making this up and that this is all an organized smear campaign against our terrific governor? What do you got to see, New York Democrats? Because if it's a seventh woman, I would not be shocked if one of those came along at some point in the not too distant future.
1: Well, there's a lot of Democrats saying he should resign, Jim. Republicans have suggested an impeachment resolution, but obviously Republicans don't have the power to really even turn on the lights in the New York state legislature. So uh, if the Democrats don't bring one forward, all they can do is uh, demand that he resign, which he's already said he's not going to do. So Is it ever going to? happen? Yeah, I'd
0: I'd really love for any Democrat, New York Democrat who has called for the resignation, but who's not willing to go forward with impeachment. So what is the difference there? What is that threshold where it's bad enough that he should resign, but it's not so bad enough that you as a New York state legislator should actually take action to remove him from office? Where is that sweet spot where it's so bad that you should he should leave of his own volition? But if he chooses not to, that's okay, And I won't do anything about it. Because right now, for a whole bunch of New York Democrats, he really is in that sweet spot where it's absolutely terrible and he does not belong in government. But I mean, I, the state legislature, I'm not going to do anything about it.
1: Well, and of course, this is not an isolated scandal. We've got the nursing home scandal on top of this. You mentioned Andy McCarthy. He wrote a great column a few days ago about how Cuomo not only lied about the number of nursing home deaths, he lied about lying about the number of nursing home deaths. And as has also been reported this week, he had the same policy with homes for disabled people, a policy that was never actually rescinded. And over 500 people died in those facilities. So it's not like you're lacking content for an impeachment resolution with this guy. He's an albatross to your party. uh, And if the best that that you're going to to get out of this is him maybe not running for a fourth term, uh, you people aren't very strong. No, they're not to put it simply. All right, let's talk about My Pillow. Did you know that My Pillow is more than just good pillows because they give the same attention to their towels and sheets that they give to their pillows. Right now, 3 Martini Lunch listeners can buy one and get one free on all 6-piece towel sets and the Giza dream sheet sets.
0: You know, Greg, I was waiting for you to say, these lawmakers are as soft as a My Pillow towel. <laughs> My Pillow towels have proprietary technology that makes these towels highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotion feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. They're washable, they're dryable, and they have seven colors to choose from.
1: The My Pillow Giza Dreams bed sheets are made with the world's best cotton. They also have a sateen weave that gives them a luxurious finish and will have you sleeping great, uh, just like the towels. There's a 10 year warranty and a 60 day money back guarantee. Washable and dryable, wide variety of colors and sizes. Terrific sheets. Visit mypillow.com to learn more. And right now, three Martini Lunch listeners get all six piece towel sets and Giza sheets. Buy one, get one free. Just use the promo code Martini at checkout or call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com, code Martini, or call 800-874-0104 for buy one, get one free on all six-piece towel sets and the Giza Dream Sheets. They are soft, Jim, talking about, well, the towels too, but the uh, the New York Democratic <laughs> politicians because this latest accuser was on his staff at least as recently as the Boylan accusation coming out. She's got the courage uh, at least to tell her story, if not put her name on the record at this point. Uh, and yet the New York Democrats uh, want to pretend that there's not enough to go on here. Just amazing. All right. Let's talk about our crazy martini now today, Jim. And a couple of years ago, all we heard from the media and Democrats was Trump is putting kids in cages at the southern border. It was a drumbeat from that summer all the way up until Election Day. And now the same thing is happening, only worse. But uh, the characterization of that is so much different. Credit to Nick Miroff at The Washington Post. And once Jen Psaki and Kate Bedenfield get with him we'll see if he's still working at the washington post but uh, he has a story that says the magnitude of the crisis facing president biden at the u.s mexico border came into clearer focus wednesday as the new administration was holding record numbers of unaccompanied migrant teens and children in detention cells for far longer than legally allowed and federal health officials fell further behind in their race to find space for them in shelters more than 8,500 migrant teens and children who crossed the border without their parents are being housed in Department of Health and Human Services shelters as they wait to be placed with relatives or vetted sponsors. Nearly 3,500 more are stuck at Border Patrol stations waiting for beds in those shelters to open up, the highest figure ever according to internal data reviewed by The Washington Post. Held in grim steel and concrete cells built for adults, these young people are spending an average of 107 hours awaiting transfer to an HHS-run shelter well over the 72-hour legal limit the data shows. The largest number of unaccompanied minors held this way during the Trump administration was about 2,600 in June of 2019, according to congressional testimony and two former Customs and Border Protection officials who were involved in handling the crisis. Uh, The Border Patrol warehouse with chain link holding pens that were decried as cages in 2018 have been closed for renovations, but the conditions in these stations are not much better. And uh, it also points out that because of the huge influx of of minors that they're holding, they've had to pretty much scrap their uh, COVID mitigation strategies and cram people in anywhere they can find space. So, uh, Jim, uh, this is utterly predictable when you have a presidential candidate who says, no deportations for the first 100 days. I can't imagine how people in uh, rough situations in Latin America would see that as a sign of, come on in, we're not gonna kick you out. And so you have all these people coming in. Somehow the Biden administration wasn't ready for this. And while there's some coverage, as we just read, uh, there's not even a fraction of the apoplectic reaction we had a couple of years ago. So the Biden administration is totally dropping the ball here. And with few exceptions, so is the media.
0: You know, Greg, as you're reading that, the first thing that strikes me is just what a messaging... Uh, coup it was for critics of the Trump administration and uh, you know pro-amnesty, pro-open uh, borders people who basically don't believe that there should be immigration enforcement in this country. Um, but with the phrase "kids in cages," what a what a you know sheer maestro move that was. Because when you hear that, you're probably a lot of people probably picture like animal cages, like you know they use for trapping animals or, or pet carriers or something like that, right? You know, now in this Washington Post article, we can say, oh, look, it was decried as cages, but it's a chain link holding pen. Oh, okay. Like, you know, I mean, like, okay, you know, it, you know, it's not significantly, but it's not, you know, like you're being kept in this like tiny little box. Second thing is that if you've got lots of people who have entered the country illegally, what do you want the government to do with them? What do you want immigration and customs enforcement? What do you want customs and border patrol to do when they have large numbers of these people? I, everyone would agree not just every child, but I think everybody across the board, like they have, they have every right to be treated humanely. We, we are not in the business of deliberately inflicting physical or emotional or mental pain on someone for violating the law. But we do need to keep them in one place. We do need to keep basically you need to be in a restrained area. We can't have these people wandering around. And it's so it's one of those. things. Well, we've got these facilities. This is where they go in. Yeah, they're, they're not built for kids, and yeah, they're not built to look nice and be fun. Now, it is worth noting that the acting customs of Border Patrol head looks like everybody with these stations has full access to meals, snacks, medical care, showers every 48 hours. Like, you know, and he points out that most of the people working there are parents, right? They're trying you know, the, the people who work for Customs and Border Patrol, they don't get glee from mistreating children. They don't, you know, they're not in the business of trying to hurt children. They're in the business of trying to enforce immigration law. And that means if you come across the border without permission, we have to take you and keep you in a spot, particularly if you're on a, you know, on a company. We can't just let you keep wandering around in a dry desert area, you know, ar- arid area. And we have to try to, you know, yes, we have to try to adjust this for the pandemic. But these facilities weren't built for the pandemic. It is a mess now. What is the first step you would do if you were in this type of situation? You you would walk into on January twentieth, and lo and behold, this, you know, these facilities are filling up. We're not able to keep the, the people six feet apart. Uh, we're worried about you know COVID spreading among them. Well, gee, you know the first thing you might do is you might say, look, stop crossing the border. You would immediately tell people, no, there is no amnesty. There is no permisos, There is no uh, special way in which you can get into the United States and stay here. You would say the Biden, you would emphasize, you pound the table. You'd say so emphatically and in Spanish on every media possible. The United States does not have an open border. We have not rescinded our immigration laws. But to do that, You'd have to acknowledge that maybe the Trump administration had a point. You'd have to acknowledge that maybe the Trump administration wasn't this complete villain that was up to uh, uh, no good and was trying to hurt people and you know all that kind of stuff. You'd have to acknowledge, you know, this, you know the Trump fans like to point out the cages were built during the Obama years. That we've been dealing with the issue of what do you do with kids who are crossing the border for, for a long time. There's no way to do so without you're not putting kids, quote unquote, in cages then putting them in some cells, right? Some sort of place where they cannot leave, right? If you think of that as imprisonment, okay, but these folks did cross the border illegally. These the law, you can't just say, well, I don't like this law, so it should not exist. Or if you want to, you could repeal it. And I don't I suspect Democrats will attempt to do that. But what they've tried to do is basically try to, you know, eliminate the law not by repealing it through legislation, but by attempting to just not enforce it. And that's not the way things work in this country, and you can't be surprised that lots and lots of people rush across the border when you create the impression that you're not in the business, you're not going to be enforcing immigration law anymore. This is extraordinarily predictable. And I guess the only question, real question, is you know the types of uh, the questions comes from the Mickey Mousees of the world and uh, Mark Corians is how much do the Biden administration not want this to happen because there's a part of them that's very comfortable with the idea of having lots of people come across the border because they do want to give these people a path to citizenship within eight years.
1: Yeah, which is a path to voting for Democrats. That's the whole plan for this. And of course, in a lot of these situations, uh, they set a date for your hearing and they release you. And of course, for the most part, some do show up for those hearings, but a lot of them don't because why would they? There's a chance you'd uh, end up getting sent back to your original country. But if you don't show up, it's a heck of a lot harder to find you. And so that keeps happening over and over and over again. But uh, the the system is, is broken. And uh, Biden, with his refusal to deport, I mean, talk about a giant flashing neon sign of come on in. Uh, the fact that he couldn't see this coming is just unbelievable. And he's going prime time tonight. So I'm sure that'll be riveting too as he Uh, talks about his COVID relief plan, I assume. So, uh, Jim, I will probably have other plans, but I might catch the highlights. Maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. But uh, I will talk to you tomorrow. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful that you uh, listen to us. Uh, Please tell your friends about us also. uh, We are very grateful for those five-star ratings, your kind reviews. All of that helps us out a great deal. Remember, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please join us tomorrow for the next...